0: good to go with,
1: with more of them. the Matt Wire Show coming to you direct and live. That <laughs> boy. Here we go. Hour number two of the show off and running with you. It's National Car Appreciation Day and Bill has found the playlist of songs about and around and dealing with cars including this one. The only way to live, in cars. Good stuff, Bill. (laughs) I wasn't expecting that one. And as you heard on the way out of the first hour, Rapid Roy from the late, great Jim Croce. Look up those lyrics, man. Look up those. Rapid Roy, that stock car boy. He's too much to believe. Always got an extra pack of cigarettes rolled up in his T-shirt sleeve. Got a tattoo on his arm that says, Baby. Got another one that just says, hey. And every Sunday afternoon, he's a stock car demon in a 57 Chevrolet. Welcome back to the show. Hey, baby. Hey, baby. (laughs) Tattoo on his arm to say, baby. And another one that just says, hey. (laughs) (laughs) And Croce was so good.
0: You know, his son is out doing his songs now. His son was only two years old when his father died.
1: Yeah. But
0: he's been inspired, and he's out there uh, doing the songs of Jim Croce now.
1: Yeah, I need to look that up. I mean, you know, like some people come along and they're just on a they're on a different plane artistically, musically, however you want to say it. And he's one of those. Like it's timeless stuff. It'll just never, you know, like in in terms of us humans, there are certain people come along and in their area they're already bumping their head on the ceiling of what's possible ever. And that was him. Okay, that's my opinion, but it's one of those. Gone too soon. Wasn't it a plane crash or was it an answer? Okay, plane crash. All right, um, here we go. So, and thanks to everybody who tuned in in the first hour and your memories and chiming in, your first car you ever had. And that was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed that uh, hour of radio. I do have some sports. Okay, particularly some football that we can get into here in hour number two. So um, stay tuned for that. And I hope you'll, just like in hour one, be a part of it. Lots of ways for you to do that. You can comment on the live stream. If you're on YouTube or Facebook, hey to y'all, type in a comment. I'll see it right here. Or you can text me on the country, please, and text sign at 885-ESPN. That's a 601 number, 601-885-ESPN, or 885 3776. You can text me there. Or call me on the Divini phone. I'll get to hear your voice like we did. Heard from Brandon earlier and heard from my dad over in Alabama. 995-1059. It's a 601 number. 995-1059. I do have another memory, though, that I want to get to real quick. Before we jump into the uh, countdown of 90 teams in 90 days. Bill, we talked about cars from the 50s, 60s. My dad's first car was a 56 Plymouth Savoy. Holes in the seats. Rats had been chewing on it when he bought it. <laughs> bought it for $75. He told us that. So it was 56. Well, right about the time that that car was made, okay, so mid to late 50s, you know, Notre Dame football was in its heyday. Can, would we say that they were in their heyday in the 50s? I I think so, yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was just this huge, like, college football was Notre Dame, and Notre Dame was college football by that time. Because it really wasn't until the 60s, 70s when teams like, what, Alabama and USC and Oklahoma started becoming these huge brands in their own right. I mean, Notre Dame football was the brand back then. Well, I was looking through some of the historical notes. Bill, you may have known this. But but I didn't know. It. I'm lurk, I'm looking it up. This is Notre Dame football back in This is appropriate. Okay, so on this day, get this. On this day in 1953, Notre Dame announced that the next 5 years of its football games would be shown in theaters over closed circuit TV. Now think about that a minute. Hmm. So, we're talking about in the 50s, and Bill, it -hmm. says that they announced it in 1953, so the next five years would have taken them up to 1958, and that their football games were going to be actually shown in theaters on closed-circuit TV. So, I thought, now, hold on a minute. How and are they doing it? So, I looked up closed-circuit TV. And that's like surveillance cameras now, mm-hmm. right? Are you familiar with closed circuit at all? Yeah. yeah. So you kind of know what we're talking about there. Yeah. So, Bill, are they saying they would live broadcast Notre Dame games in theaters, like movie theaters?
0: Probably so. They probably would had had the cameras mounted there at the stadiums and just picked it up and just fed it. Uh, I don't know how they had to have used phone lines back then. Yeah. To the different uh, markets where the theaters could pick it up. And yeah, so, of course. Now I was born in '53, so I wasn't really around for much of this. Right, but but that's what I'm saying. This the technology because when you the look up yeah, when you look up
1: closed circuit television, mm-hmm. what it says the first thing you see is security. Okay, so CCTV, yeah. closed circuit television, CCTV, also known as video surveillance. Right, which is what you know everybody used to call it when it was you know put it into malls and stuff. They would call that closed circuit. right cctv yeah yeah the use of video cameras to transmit a signal to a specific place on a limited set of monitors it says here okay it differs from broadcast television in that the signal is not openly transmitted right it's done another way though it may employ point to point p2p point to yeah. multipoint, or mesh, wired, or wireless links. And that would be obviously more modern if it's wireless.
0: Yeah. They could have been using, you know, like our modern microwave, or it's we call it, studio transmitter links now that we use to get from one place to another. Yeah. But it's on a frequency that nobody else can pick up, you know, that kind of thing. Right. And they, they, they may have had some of that early in the 50s. They probably did.
1: Okay. That's television has television been around a while. All right. So that's what we're talking about. So it's like the 50s. But it was all black and white television if it was oh, yeah. TV back then in the 50s. And, you know, you what you're talking about, surveillance. Well, you know, like you watch, I don't know, like a Mission Impossible or, you know, all these spy movies and somebody sneaking in and tapping into somebody's surveillance feed. Like Ocean's yeah. Eleven. Yeah. You know, like they have a guy who's technically savvy and he's disguised in a truck somewhere and he's able to tap into the casino's, you know, security feed and like fool them so they don't see you in the hallway, right? Like scramble it or call somebody well that's kind of what we're talking about here i just had no idea that they did this but i'm assuming bill and again tell me if i maybe it's more obvious than i'm making it i'm just saying i'm unfamiliar (laughs) with it it's just i'm assuming if that's what they use was closed circuit television then it's a camera or cameras at the ball game sending a direct line feed to some theater somewhere yeah that would probably be how they did it yeah just
0: could have been just one camera It could have just been one yeah yeah just and some guy just
1: moving it following the action and then it was being fed directly to a movie theater okay and and then my question is like how many theaters who it didn't it didn't specify here is it like no a few theaters in the south bend indiana area
0: yeah. Because you would think it.
1: that's what it probably was, right? Probably because you get
0: involved in, like, say, using telephone lines and all that kind of stuff if you don't to yeah. send it to other places. But if they had the money to do that back then, they probably would have done Notre Dame probably did.
1: Well, they probably did. And, frankly, in that era, but even in the modern, if there was anybody who pulled off stuff like that mm-hmm. and could, it was Notre Dame. Well, they threw the first forward pass, so I guess they could do that, too. <laughs> they were always thinking ahead, weren't they? Mm-hmm. Anyway, I just had never heard that. Never heard it. I close my eyes. I try to picture, like, you as a little boy in 1958 being able to sit in a theater and watch a live football game that's being sent via what is effectively like a video surveillance feed, watching it in a theater. I wonder what they charge for that. Maybe a nickel. Yeah, there's no telling. Yeah. Couldn't have and, been much. Yeah, it's, I, I found it very interesting. Very interesting. Also, that so that was on this day, July the 8th, 1953. They announced that you're going to have five years worth of <laughs> effectively like a surveillance feed sent to theaters. People could sit in a the theater and watch a live Notre Dame football game. That was in 53. Side note not sports related. Well, kind of sports related. There's one sports related nugget in there that on this day in 1990. The final episode of this TV show here. Streets on the China,
0: never met it before. Who cares when you drop your jacket?
1: Leon, yeah. Red Red bone. Bone. <laughs> Leon Redbone. But sometimes things get turned around and no one Whoa, Leon Redbone. Stands. Wasn't he great? <laughs> <laughs> Just look out below. This is uh Mr. Belvedere. Hey, <laughs> <Velveteer. Velveteer. laughs> Mr. Ooh. Belvedere's final episode oh, this day, 1990. Oh, yeah, <laughs> And, and the sports nugget is that Bob Euchre was oh, yeah. was an actor on this show. He was the so dad. That's right. Really funny character, in fact. Down on the front row. Yeah, good old Mister Belvedere. Mister not...
0: Belvedere, Leon Redbone, man, what a
1: great what a spirit. voice! Huh? <laughs> this day, 1990, the final episode of Mister Belvedere aired with Bob Euchre, who then went right back into the broadcast yeah, booth. Right down to the front row. With the uh, Milwaukee Brewers. Toast a bit outside. Toast a bit of dynamite drop-in money. (laughs) That broadcast school really paid off. It did. Here, have a drink. (laughs) One hit. That's all we got. (laughs) One hit. (laughs) Uh, That's great. The great Bob Euchre, thank goodness. He's, he's not still doing their games, is he? Well, like part time. He doesn't part time. Do okay. He I doesn't do every play. game every year like he was all yeah. all there for he a while. But really good at what he does. Yeah, and just so funny. I mean, look, if you want to, if you're a sports fan and you want to have a good laugh and you haven't had a good laugh at this recently, just trust me and do it. Get out there and just get on YouTube and type in Bob Euchre funny moment and the stuff that he's done over the years and the thing he used to go he was so funny and witty they'd bring him on the tonight show as a regular treat him like a guest and the whole thing was about how terrible he was as a baseball player it, it's the whole thing's funny you yeah cuz he was
0: bad he was a catcher he was terrible i don't think he did he
1: well, really ever get out of the bullpen look he did okay <laughs> he actually had at bats in the majors he actually yeah. hit a home run or two so yeah. like compared to the rest of us he's pretty oh, yeah. good it's just, to me is. He, it's, just, it's just he had a really sub-average major league career, and so he used that to make himself a punchline, and therefore everybody loved to hear from him because he his jokes were so funny. He's just basically like a comedian post-baseball, uh, but then a great actual broadcaster, too. So he's got to check all that out. Well, let's check this out. We've got time. Let's go ahead and start it now. We'll see if we, how many we get through we got three teams to do today on our countdown of 90 teams in 90 days. D-A-D-A! Woo! Shoot
2: this thing! Set your watch for 90. High It won't be long. 90 days,
1: Jerry! Put you you your heart on your heart! Ba, ba, ba. Here we go! All right, team number uh, what is it? 5858, five, team number 58 on the countdown from Conference USA
2: is
1: This is Marshall. Okay, and here's the thing. They they used to be from Conference USA. They're in the Sun Belt now. Yeah, the uh, the Fighting Randy Mosses. Y'all forgot that Randy Moss went to Marshall, didn't you? Uh-huh, forgot that. They actually have a pretty decent uh, fight song. So they'll compete starting this year in the Sun Belt, and this is so much better and better fit for Marshall and their fan base. I like the Sun Belt. Okay, I'm just going to put it out there. I like the Sun Belt. I like Sunbelt football. I like Sunbelt teams. I like where the Sunbelt is. If I wasn't an SEC guy, I very much I'd go to find me a Sunbelt team. That's why it's a perfect fit for Southern Miss. All right, enough of that. You don't care, do you? All right, so in 57 days from today, Marshall will open the season by hosting Norfolk State. And then week two, it steps up a notch. They go to South Bend, Indiana and take on the aforementioned Notre Dame fighting Irish. Week three, they're out of conference. They go to Bowling Green. And then week four, Marshall jumps into Sunbelt play at Troy. So for Marshall this year, former Conference USA uh, team and opponent of Southern Miss, four games in the month of September, three of them on the road. And they all three are back to back to back. Open with Norfolk State and then go to Notre Dame, go to Bowling Green, and go to Troy. They come back and host Gardner-Webb out of conference in the rest of their games this year, then be in Sunbelt play. Hosting Louisiana, traveling to James Madison, hosting Coastal Carolina, who just might run them out of the stadium. They travel to Old Dominion, host App State, who's always good, bucket list, I want to see a game in Boone, North Carolina, where App State is. Appalachian State, not Appalachian. Because it's not the Appalachian Mountains, it's the Appalachian Mountains. At Georgia Southern, finish the season by hosting Georgia State. So that's a little bit of a look at Marshall. And to sort of give you an inclination, of course, you know, football fans, we know this. They've been in Conference USA. I just gave you their schedule this year, which is, you know, got Notre Dame on it. The, uh, all those Sunbelt teams that they're going to play, home and away. This was their schedule last year. Look at how different it is. Okay, look. At, I mean, it's much different. They were a bowl team last year. They lost their bowl game, by the way. Uh, but look how different it is. They won seven games last year. This is last year's schedule. They won the opener at Navy. Week two, they beat North Carolina Central. Then three losses in a row to East Carolina, App State, and Middle Tennessee. Then they went four straight wins in overtime over Old Dominion at North Texas, 38 to nothing, shut out of Florida International. That's FIU. A two touchdown win over FAU. A touchdown loss to UAB. Beat Charlotte by 20, 21, in fact and then lost to Western Kentucky in the season finale, giving up 53 points. Played against uh, Louisiana in a bowl game in a New Orleans bowl and lost at 36-21. That was Billy Napier's last game as a head coach at Louisiana. Or Lafayette, as it were. So much different in terms. And it's just, you know, for their fans, they're up there in Huntington, West Virginia. This is a much better fit. It really is. Okay, today's team... It's team number 57, because today we are 57 days away from the first Saturday in September, the first big openings uh, Saturday at college football. So here it is, team number 57. They are from what is left of the Pac-12. They're in the Pac-12 North. This team won seven games last year. They are known as the Beavers of Oregon State. OSU and this and that and the other. All right, so Oregon State, they are the Beavers. Uh, I have lobbied for the last couple of years; they ought to change their nickname because. They were moving their football field house to build some new stuff and uncovered woolly mammoths buried underground right underneath where the football facility is in Corvallis, Oregon. That is not made up. So they should definitely now go from being the Beavers to being the Oregon State woolly mammoths. Listen to this. i guess some cheers going on. Something another Oregon State fight, fight, fight. Uh, So they were seven and six a year ago at Oregon State out in the Pac 12. We'll look it up here. They finished third in their division, the Pac 12 North, last year. It's not bad at all. I mean, like they're, for their resources and their size and where they are, they've always, you know, had a knack for overachieving. It's just they've had a few down years also, but have produced some big time players. And last year they got off to a great start. They lost the season opener at Purdue by 9, 30 to 21, and then reeled off four wins in a row. Beat Hawaii, beat Idaho, beat the tar out of the USC Trojans in Los Angeles 45 to 27. Followed that up with a three-point win over Washington. So two Pac-12 Blue Bloods fall back-to-back weeks last year to Oregon State. Oregon State's four and one. Here we go, right? Wrong. Four and one start. They immediately. Lost three of their next four. (laughs) That's how it goes, right? They lost on the road by a touchdown to Washington State. They did beat Utah. Put up 42 and beat the tar out of Utah. But then lost to Cal and Colorado, both on the road, back-to-back, and the Colorado game was overtime. Uh, They beat Stanford and Arizona State. Both of those are home. Played a great game against number 11 Oregon last year at Oregon in the season finale. Lost that one by 9-38-29. And then just didn't play well in their bowl game. They were 7-5 and five regular season. And uh, lost to Utah State in the Jimmy Kimmel L.A. Bowl, presented by something else. Who cares? But anyway, so 7-6, and six, their record a year ago. So for Oregon State this year, this is this year's schedule. Let's just be reminded, Pac-12 still intact for now. They got Boise State, Fresno State, Montana State, and then USC in September. October games, Utah and Stanford back to back. Washington State, Colorado at home back to back. And in the month of, or the last month, November, Colorado, Washington, Cal, Arizona State, and they will host Oregon this year in the rivalry game. That's team number 57. We'll hit 56 before the show is up. We might do that next, in fact. What's this song, Bill? Little Deuce Coop. Little Deuce Coop on National Car Appreciation Day. More to come. Stick around.
2: Your it's often difficult to satisfy that
0: special hunger. Not here, because you've got Matt Wyatt. Oh, I am starving. Don't worry, he's got a menu full.
1: Come on! Come on! National Car Appreciation Day. got some pink Cadillac. Is that what we got, Bill? What that is. By the boss. That's him. National Car Appreciation Day. We've had a car-filled show. It's fun.
0: <laughs> Bruce
1: Springsteen. Plush leather seats. Hey, speaking of leather seats, uh, Bill, listen to what Salty Dog texted or tweeted me earlier. Salty Dog says my first car was a 1974 black and silver uh, Chevy Nova SS with a quote slide over baby front bench seat. Uh oh, <laughs> the front bench seat slide over baby. They're like the old, you know, the old uh, pickups. That you'd see, you know, with the bench seat, and there'd be two people sitting in them, but they're right next to each other over by the steering wheel.
0: <laughs> so close to look like a one and a half.
1: That's it. That's that's it. That's that's the Americana version of riding around in a pickup truck. All right. Back with you here on the show. I got another. Uh, Bill's got a hot hand with the music today, and so I've got another musical reference before we hit team number 56 on the countdown of. 90 college football teams in 90 days. Now, this one will be similar to one we had recently. Remember just a few days ago, we had this reference? Um, Same people, same sort of instance, but they're a couple of three days apart, and they are absolutely related to each other. So here's this one. It's about the king. Thank you. Thank you very much. On this day, July the 8th, 1954. Producer Sam Phillips took an acetate recording of Elvis Presley singing That's All Right to Memphis radio station WHBQ. DJ Dewey Phillips, remember they say they were brothers. Sam Phillips, the producer. Dewey Phillips, the DJ. Dewey Phillips played the song just after 9.30 that evening on July the 8th, 1954. And the phone lines lit up asking the DJ to play the song Again, here it is. Well,
2: that's all right, Mama. That's all right for you. That's all right, Mama. Just any way you do, that's all right. That's all right. That's all right, Mama. Anyway.
1: And the phone lines lit up. You'll remember just a few days earlier, like around July the fourth or around about July fifth, is when Elvis Presley was at Sun Studios in Memphis. Producer Sam Phillips was there. Elvis was goofing off, started singing this. He said, "Can you do it again?" Yeah. They recorded it. Here we are, two days later. They took the recording to the producer's brother, Dewey Phillips, played it on the radio.
0: And the rest is history.
1: And the rest, as they say, is history. They
0: wore that acetate out that night. I think it turned white. <laughs> they played it so much.
1: They played it so much. So the first time it played was on this day, 1954. That started the whole thing. And Dewey Phillips was the
0: number one disc jockey in Memphis at that time.
1: Right. So like, if you get him to play your song, you got a chance. Hey, Bill, how about this? Annabeth told me yesterday that uh, apparently the kid who played Elvis in this recent Elvis movie, played the little kid Elvis, uh, toured the Elvis birthplace in Tupelo yesterday. All right. Yeah, she saw something about that. I had no idea. Yeah, I got to see that movie. Definitely want to see that movie. So there's your Elvis reference for today. All right, let's hit team number 56. That'll be tomorrow. Today is 57 days to so the first Saturday in September. Tomorrow will be 56, so tomorrow's Saturday. We're not on the air. We're going to go ahead and hit it today. of our countdown?
2: Defense! Defense! Woo, shoot this thing! Set your watch for 90. It won't be long.
1: Okay, team number 56 from the SEC. You'll notice it's the first one on our countdown from the east, and it's not Vandy. The Missouri Fighting Tigers. Missouri. All right, here's what we're going to look at here. And there's one familiar name who may, in fact, be their quarterback. We'll see how, how it works out in, in fall camp. Missouri was 6-7 overall a year ago. They were 3-5 and five in the regular season in the SEC. Three SEC wins. We'll take a look and see what they did. Their schedule this year is rough. I don't know. I mean, it's not as bad as the West. It's not easy. Missouri is going to start the year by hosting Louisiana Tech on Thursday, September the 1st. It'll be a night game on ESPNU. Thursday, September 1st, Missouri versus La Tech. That'll be a season opener. Week two, Missouri will travel to Kansas State for an 11 a.m. game. Uh, Week three, it's Abilene Christian from Texas they'll host. And then week four... They jump into SEC play. They go to Auburn on the last Saturday in September. Auburn will host Missouri. The October game, so they'll start October after the Auburn trip by then hosting Georgia. Then they'll travel to Florida. So when you look at that three-week stretch from last weekend in September and then starting the month of October, it's road game in Auburn, home game Georgia, road game Florida. That's going to be a tough little stretch. They get a Respite, they're going to host Vandy and travel to South Carolina at the end of October. Somebody asked me the other day, said, what's South Carolina going to be this year? And I know that they have Spencer Rattler who transferred in there at QB and, you know, a young coach. They were a little better, but but right now it just seems like South Carolina is very loud, like on social media and stuff. But I'm not sure they're going to be all that much better, to be honest with you. So Missouri goes to South Carolina, and then you look at the four games for them in November. It's hosting Kentucky, traveling to Tennessee, hosting New Mexico State, before hosting Arkansas. Uh, Thanksgiving weekend, two thirty CBS game I'm already slated. How about that? So that's probably what the Friday. That'll be the Friday on the twenty fifth. Y'all might look that up and and see if I'm right on that. That's their schedule this year. So in terms of opposite division, they play Arkansas every year. It's the season finale for Missouri. And this year, Auburn rotates on. That'll be a road trip for, uh, for Missouri. Last year, uh, the, the, the six wins in the regular season, they did get to play in a postseason and lost to Army in their bowl game. Lost by two to Army in the, the Armed Forces Bowl. Wins last year, the six wins for Missouri last year. Central Michigan, Southeast Missouri State. Beat North Texas. Got their first conference win over Vanderbilt. Beat South Carolina at home and then beat Florida at home in overtime. Lost to Arkansas pretty bad in the season finale. That was the wins last year. The thing is, Jack Abraham, former Oxford High School quarterback, former starting quarterback at Southern Miss who transferred to Mississippi State and and didn't get to play there, got hurt last year, concussion issues, is now at Missouri to compete for that starting quarterback job. Um, you know, the kid who had played for him the last couple of years at QB transferred out. So I don't really know what their situation is, but we're going to see. This will be the third year at, at uh, Missouri for Elijah Drinkwitz. He's 11-12 and 12 overall uh, so far at Missouri after uh, two seasons. So let's look at the offense for Missouri. What did they say here? This is college football news previewing their offense. They mentioned, yeah, quarterback situation unsettled but stronger. Connor Bazelak, um has moved on. He's now at Indiana. He transferred to Indiana. So, they got a kid named Brady Cook who stepped in, was pretty solid against the Army in a bowl game. They got another kid named Tyler Macon at quarterback at Missouri. They have a super recruit named Sam Horn, who, uh, again, big time win for them in recruiting. Most talented of the bunch, probably, but brand new. And you know how that goes. Just because you're talented, if you're brand new, it's hard for you to win it. They tried to go get J.T. Daniels who was transferring out of Georgia, but they couldn't get him. They've gotten Jack Abraham in the mix also. So when you look at it, so Basilac has moved on, he's now at Indiana. so it's a kid named Brady Cook who played some last year. Uh, a prospect named Tyler Macon hasn't played. A brand new kid who was a big recruit named Sam Horn hasn't played. And then Jack Abraham, who has played a lot of college football and completed a lot of passes but didn't play this past year. He was at state and didn't get to because of the, the head injury. So the, all those guys in the mix to try to be Missouri's starting quarterback. Pretty interesting scenario up there. And I, think, I would think that there's a chance for Jack Abraham, if he stays healthy, to go win that job. All right. I'm Matt in the Bureau. When we come back, it's the last segment of the week and it's a chance to catch up we normally do it on thursday but we'll do it today we catch up with uh, terry fant pastor at hickory ridge baptist church and answer some bible questions that's coming up next here on the show i'm matt in the bureau the farm bureau insurance studio stick around let the
0: music take your mind that one is huge the
2: amazing
0: players, matt Wyatt has got it all for you, you just
2: my pappy said, son, you're going to drive me to drinking if you don't stop driving that hot rod Lincoln.
1: Uh, up, that. boy, Bill?
2: Have you heard the story of the hot rod race with the Fords and the was set setting the pace? Today is National Car... Say, I was driving that Model A.
1: Appreciation Day. National like Car motor Appreciation motor. Day.
2: That Model A body makes it look like a pup's. eight cylinders and now, I to
1: Like in this song, if any of y'all are actually old enough to have driven around in a single, in a a Model A,
2: then uh, sit down and take it easy. (laughs) uh, Back with you. (laughs) I'm just picking. I didn't mean
1: it. I didn't mean it. All right, everybody, welcome back to the show. I'm Matt in the Bureau, the Farm Bureau Insurance Studio, Farm Bureau. Go! The home team, they are your home team at Farm Bureau Insurance across the great state of Mississippi. Lots of lots of cool cars and memories of old cars across the state of Mississippi today. A National Car Appreciation Day. I'm not even a car guy, but I like all the stories. It's neat to think about, and I appreciate everyone that sent your pictures in and talked about it. Uh, we had a lot of car talk on the uh, show today. Now we're going to have some Bible talk, maybe answer a Bible question for you and maybe a car question. We'll see what happens on the Divinity Equipment phone line, Divinity Equipment Madison, and in Jackson. Terry Fant on your radio right now. He is the pastor at Hickory Ridge Baptist Church in Florence, Mississippi. And I don't know, but Terry may actually be in the car right now on Car Appreciation Day. Hey, Terry, how you doing? What's going on,
2: Matt? I'm doing well, man. I am in the car on Car Appreciation
1: Day. Do you remember the first car you ever had? Absolutely,
2: 1973 Toyota Land Cruiser.
1: A Land Cruiser.
2: Yes, sir. Top came off, man.
1: I thought I was it. <laughs> a 73 <laughs> Land Cruiser. That's yeah. You you put. Uh, I imagine you had to put some gas in a 73 Land Cruiser. Now it, it would drink it, wouldn't it? <laughs> It would. It had an M R six. It was nice, man. I wish I had it back. Yeah. You know, isn't it funny we do that? I um I was mentioning that the first car that I ever was responsible for paying for was a an F one fifty that was a single cab and it had it was a five speed F-150 pickup truck, but I pulled my boat with it and I could never get anybody to help me on the boat ramp because nobody wanted to drive a five speed on a boat ramp. That's when I learned that if you want help you need an automatic. Terry Fant on your radio right now. Terry, I wanted to um, ask you a question and, and maybe get a Bible question in and get a Bible answer from you someone who might give us something to think about. And I, I'm in 1 Corinthians chapter two and in verse nine where Paul's writing this and he references it says uh, but as it is written, Eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love Him. Who love Him. And when you hear that, Terry, uh, and when you read that verse, like, how do you? What do you think about? What is that pointing to? So
2: oftentimes, Matt, have you heard anybody ever talk about heaven that way? You know, they'll say, um, and you know, talking about the about heaven, I hadn't seen, and here hadn't heard. Um, and so oftentimes I've heard that at funerals and all kinds of places. But Paul has been talking about in the early part of that chapter is, is wisdom, heavenly wisdom. Mm-hmm. And, he, and he talks about how if the people of the, of the world had had heavenly wisdom, they would not have crucified Jesus, uh-huh. the Lord of glory. But then he goes on to say, and he starts off in, in verse 9 by saying, you know, I haven't seen or heard the things that God has prepared. But most oftentimes, and you know, I've talked a little bit about context lately, you know, the verses before and the verses after, yeah, and they are so critical to biblical interpretation. And remember, the reason biblical interpretation is so important is to get the application right. Okay, yeah. so then verse ten is he says, but God has revealed them to us through His Spirit. So, so think about how often you've heard that verse without hearing verse ten. I hasn't seen, you hasn't heard, and so you think, wow, no, no eyes ever seen, no ears heard. But the very next verse says, but. God has revealed them to us by its Holy Spirit. Mm. So he's talking about the wisdom that comes from God, discernment and, and spiritual wisdom that comes with a relationship with Jesus through the Holy Spirit.
1: Yeah, that's right. So I uh, look at that. It, so I has not seen nor ear has heard. That's verse nine. And then like you say, verse 10, it says, but God has revealed them to us through his spirit. So Terry is, I guess what we're saying is if that, if that verse nine was just in reference to heaven, then verse 10 wouldn't fit because he hasn't revealed that to us, at least in terms of details, right? Is that what we're saying? Uh, Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. It makes sense. So, and and if you go to verse 11, I'm going to ask you about this one. Okay. It says, For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. How does that speak to you?
2: So, like, for instance, if you think about yourself, no one really knows what's on Matt White's mind and heart at any particular time except the man, Matt White. Mm -hmm. Nobody can see inside your heart to read your mind. Now, of course, apart from God. At the same time, no one knows what's going on in the heart and mind of God except God. And so he says the spirit knows the things of God, and we've been given that spirit. So the man without the spirit is not going to understand the things of God or crave them. And the, the man who has the Holy Spirit is going to crave the things of God and begin to understand
1: them. Terry Fant on your radio. he's the pastor at Hickory Ridge Baptist Church in Florence, Mississippi and, and I wanted to ask you too, Terry, about verse 14 and and I'll read 12 and 13 to lead up to it. okay this is in first Corinthians this is in First Corinthians chapter 2 in in, in my Bible verse 12 said now we have received not the spirit of the world but the spirit who is from God that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God then verse 13 it says these things we also speak not in words which man's wisdom teaches but which the Holy Spirit teaches comparing spiritual things with spiritual so here's verse 14 but the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God for they are of foolishness to him nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. So that's sort of making the point, but but how would you explain that verse 14? So
2: again, as we're thinking about the ways of man versus the ways of God, um, have you ever tried to approach somebody who maybe's never heard of God or has no relationship with him, and maybe they hear you in a conversation talking about somebody who has offended you or hurt you or harmed you, and you're in conversation talking about how you have forgiven them mm. and how you hope for the best for them and how you hope that uh, God blesses them and shows them a better way, well, the, the person who's eavesdropping, so to speak, in the conversation who doesn't have the Spirit of God, he'll look at you like you've got three heads. Mm. <laughs> you know, because he doesn't, he, he doesn't have the Spirit of God to help him discern the things of God, such as forgiveness, unconditional love, Serving people just for the sake of glorifying the Lord. Mm -hmm. Those kind of things don't make any sense. I'll give you another for instance. A number of years ago, our church was uh, obviously relatively smaller, and we were in a building campaign. where we were trying to raise money to buy some land and build a new building. And at the same time, we went on a mission trip to the Dominican Republic, and there was a need there to build a church. God pressed on my heart, and some of the other leaderships are, that we should take a, a considerable amount of money and give it to them to help them with their needs. So we did that. I had some men come to me and they said, that, that's just not good uh, business practices. Mm-hmm. And I said, you're exactly right. It's spiritual practices. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what we found out, Matt, after that, we honored God by giving and following the Spirit's leadership there. It didn't make good business sense, but it made great spiritual sense because the Spirit led us that way. The next month or so, we took up an offering, For His Glory offering, and it was about five times what we had given away. It was the most amazing thing to see God do that. But the natural man, it didn't make any sense to him. Right.
1: Right. Terry Fan on your radio. So if, if if someone's listening, Terry, and they say, hey, you know, uh, Brother Fan, there, there are a lot of times that I, I read things, Old Testament and New Testament. I read them, and I have a hard time understanding. What should I do? when I run up against that, what do you tell somebody when they just ask you that simple sort of, when we're talking about an application of what's in scripture, if they say, sometimes I read stuff that I don't, you know, have as much understanding of. How do you address that with someone who asked that of you? A
2: couple things I tell them first, when I sit down every morning to spend a little time in the scripture, uh, I begin by praying, Lord, I don't, I don't have the capacity to understand what I'm about to read. And so I need your help to understand. So I always say, first of all, pray for understanding. Hmm. Secondly, sometimes it's not necessarily a spiritual thing that you're misunderstanding; it's a cultural or a historical or a literature part of literature where it's written that you're misunderstanding. So, in those cases, I say it's always good to have a good study Bible, a good Bible that has some notes about the verses to help you understand the context, so that you be trying to understand through the historical context and through the literary style.
1: Sure. That makes a lot of, of sense. And then,
2: of course, it's always really good. It's always really good to have be part of a church, you know. It, it, that's that's the, see, the God gave us the church as a benefit. Mm-hmm. Help us to understand. We have people around
1: us that we can have questions. Right, right. Someone, someone that they can go to that they trust that may have some experience. That right. makes a lot of yeah. sense. Kind of like me calling you on the radio saying, "Hey, explain this to me." I mean, you know, it's a <laughs> it's it, 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 it's maybe just another example of it's not what you know, it's who you know. And boy, that. That can get deep in a hurry. <laughs> Terry, be safe on that road, man. I really appreciate it. And uh, I thank you again for answering some Bible questions for me. Thank you.
2: Thank you, Matt.
1: All right. Talk to you soon. That's Terry Fant. He's off into of the weekend. I'm off into of the weekend. Bill is too. Happy National Car Day. Be safe on the road. And Bill and I will reconvene with you on Monday here in the Farm Bureau Insurance Studio. See you then.